0: Greetings to all the listeners of The Aviator's Podcast. The pandemic clearly showed us that aviation industry is one industry which works on very tight margins and tolerances, from an operational as well as a financial perspective. One mistake and you can go in a nose-down dive from which recovery is almost impossible. Today we talked to a gentleman who makes sure the financial nose-down dive does not happen. I'm happy to introduce you to Mr. Rohit Tomar. Professionally, he is the managing partner of Caledris Aero Consultants, which is a management strategy and financial consultant company in the aviation sector. He also mentors a lot of aircraft maintenance and repair startups and carries an array of knowledge of aviation finance. Welcome to the podcast, sir. If I have missed out on some of your job profiles, please fill me in and uh, tell us a little about yourself.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you, Mihir, uh, well, That was a that was a uh, fantastic introduction. Thank you so much, and have, uh, thank you mm-hmm. for having me here. Yes, uh, well, we so we are uh, Caladrius Aero Consulting. Uh, we started this company about uh, nine months back in India, uh, mm-hmm. identifying the niche of uh, uh, consulting services, which includes uh, ma- strategy as well as operations. Okay. Uh, this stems from the fact that uh, you know over the last 16 years that I have spent in aviation, right, I spent a good about four and a half five years in uh, strategy consulting with KPMG. Okay And uh, we identified a lot of uh, you know areas where uh, we did have a lot of knowledge
0: mm-hmm. in
1: terms of strategy, but the lack of uh, you know core people from operations to understand this aspect. Correct. led uh, to a lot of challenges. Correct. And uh, in India, I think we are coming of age. Uh, Indian aviation industry has uh, has always been uh, an industry which, uh, you know, has not uh, sort of, I would say, matured up to the fact that, uh, you know, consulting firms do provide a lot of value, unlike right. what you see in the US and the Europe, Correct. Uh, where consultants play a very critical role for aviation or airline companies, not just to benchmark themselves or not just doing basic exercises, Correct. but also developing long-term strategies using market intelligence. I think mm-hmm. that's where the consulting, that's where our consulting firm specializes in, that is on market intelligence. Right. Uh, we aim at providing not just information, but uh, uh, I, I would say it's more aimed at providing the knowledge bank uh, right. and, and an external view. So. Uh, that's that's how we started this consulting firm uh, i was in vietnam uh, almost one and a half year uh, as uh, the deputy cfo of vietjet
0: okay it's an
1: airline in in vietnam uh, almost same as indigo in india in terms of their market share right uh a an entity and i'm um, still an advisor with, uh, advisor with them on the finance side and okay. primarily focused on maintenance okay okay so okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's been uh, my journey in here. I started from the engine shop of Air India. So, just like all other aviators, my first experience in aviation was an engine, engine aircraft engine yeah, yeah, right. at Air India. Right. And once you are an aviator, you are an aviator for life. For so life, for, sure, that's for sure.
0: I I think um, just uh, a little bit from my side over here is I think if you have tasted the fruit of being in that field and the adrenaline that, uh, that that this field uh, offers to us i don't think there is any industry uh, this is my personal opinion but i don't think there is any industry which will push you to your limits and test you or uh, test your brains and intelligence and everything uh, uh, to to this point which our uh, aviation industry offers so it's a great uh, it's a great uh, start and now whatever you're doing it's also this is something which is uh, the reason why why I wanted you to uh, talk to us is because, uh, as you said, consultancy is not as mainstream when it comes to aviation in India, right? For all the other industries that we have in India, there are these consultants which know that have, have these kind of market st- uh, studies and know how the financial planning has to be done. But for aviation startups, aviation MROs, there is... Um, it's not as popularly known. So it, this is something which um, in the eventual coming years, uh, this will be uh, a big thing. Um, so that's great, sir. Um, it's, it's good to know about your background. This is a very... I just want to dive right right into the que- uh, questions which I have for you. One of the basic questions which I would want to know is the situation in the aviation industry right now is is pretty bad. We all know that. In the current scenario, if there is one, What do you think is something which is going to be the boom for aviation or which sector in aviation is going to be the boom in the coming maybe two, three years? Or if I have to invest, where do I invest?
1: Sure. So I think, uh, let me answer that question by saying that there is no better time to invest in airlines than today. Okay. Uh, We've... No, I mean, when I say invest in airline today, I'm referring to, let's say, those airlines which are currently in the market listed at this point of time. Okay. Uh, It's a very sentimental-driven business, uh, especially in uh, a lot of Asia-Pacific region. Uh, The Americans and the uh, Canada market or the European market is still fairly more uh, calculative and mature. Correct. But what we do see is... uh, you know the airlines uh, share prices are low mm-hmm. uh, there is a there is still a fairly uh, you know some amount of optimism that is driving the market and the share prices but the fact is that the airline valuations are at a pretty low right uh, which gives a very good opportunity for investors to pick up these stocks right and uh, i think the key point here is that you know you need to be very in the airline industry, when you're picking up stocks, we've seen what has happened with Jet. We've seen what happened with Kingfisher. Right. Uh, and not just these two airlines in India, but there have been airlines that have happened uh, on, on, on certain things that have happened with other airlines also across right. Asia Pacific. Right. So I think the key there is, uh, you know, understanding the the underlying uh, strength of the airline business oh. and and who is good at it and who is not. I mean, it's a... I think one thing that Indigo has proved to the world, uh, and, and I mean, at least in Asia side, but this has been followed right in Ryanair, Southwest, Americas. I right. think the cash position of an airline is the strongest negotiation power that an airline has. Correct. And, uh, you know, unlike uh, what we, uh, you know, in terms of growth, when you look at it, uh, the challenge that Indian aviation brings as compared to, let's say, a manufacturing or a production plant mm-hmm. is that it cannot have a steady, uh, you know, a year on year growth. You, you can't look at uh, it. So there is a certain level of efficiency improvement that you can bring into the business. Mm-hmm. But unlike what happens in production where, you know, you can have so many factors which are beyond uh, a competitor's control. It's not very easy for your competitor to shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a shoe factory or if you're a car factory, you suddenly cannot you know shift one complete plant from one place to the other Correct. just because the other one is offering better incentives. Right. But in the aviation industry, with uh, you know the flexibility that the the various financial solutions have provided, aircraft leasing. You know, you can lease an aircraft. You have uh, financial structures available today in terms of hybrid lease, dry lease, wet lease. There are so many options available Mm -hmm. that your level of differentiation, continued differentiation, let me put that word, the ability to continuously differentiate yourself from your competition uh, rests heavily on your ability to scale Mm -hmm. and your ability to change. Mm -hmm. So the agility in the organization to make changes and adapt to it very quickly
0: is the, is right
1: is the most important differentiating factor and absolutely. the increase in scale.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That that's absolutely uh, you know uh, that makes sense because uh, this is one uh, the the biggest pro about uh, our sector or our aviation industry is that uh, as you said you can really move from say one vendor to another if you know he is offering a lesser price for the same kind of job. And uh, that that uh, brings me to one of the topics which I wanted to uh, discuss with you, which is um, now India is now you you uh, you are an expert on the aviation uh, MRO side. That's why I want to start off with a little bit about the MROs. But um, setting up an MRO is definitely a capital intensive uh, capital intensive thing to do and uh, the break even times are even bigger so for someone who would want to invest in an mro uh the current situation and the current scenario what what kind of financial advice would you give to someone who does want to invest in an mro
1: very very interesting question Uh, i would try to answer that question in two ways Mm -hmm. what do we mean by the mro industry Unfortunately, if you look in India, right. MRO primarily is, uh, you know, if you ask the decision makers, the people who are making regulations, mm-hmm. people who are driving the financial policies, mm-hmm. MRO for them is, in their mind, is an aircraft hangar where you have aircraft coming in, people working on it. Yeah.
0: Sorry, sorry to cut you off, sir. But uh, can you also tell us like some basics? Now, I know what an MRO is. Because I am also from a maintenance background, but can you tell us a little uh, for everyone what sure, does one sure. uh, mean by an MRO? What are the different types of MROs and what kind of work do they do? Let's start sure. from there.
1: Sure. So, I would actually, I would, I would, let me put it this way. So, an MRO is a garage for an aircraft. Okay. okay. And this garage can be a garage which is as big which can you know in which you send your complete car for getting fixed up so let's say you have a maruti car you are sending it to the you know the the maruti uh, shop, shop which fix which can fix everything right okay uh, and at the same time uh, an mro can be as small uh, you know person who has just one shop and who just uh, for example fixes your tires right. right so if you have a if you have a vehicle problem you don't go to a, a large uh, uh, maruti showroom and get your tire fixed you just walk into the nearest garage get your tire fixed and you start moving right oh, right. right right so that so so Mro is encap it, it is as big as that and as small as that right uh, now why is the Mro business in in aviation very important just to give you a very quick number right if you buy let's say hypothetically in an, an example an aircraft let's say an airbus three twenty today mmm okay and, you know, with all the discounts and blah, blah, you are, let's say, able to purchase it for, you know, 50 million.
0: Right. Start,
1: okay. If you're able to buy a 50 million aircraft and what you do is you typically don't buy it. But let's say, for example, even if you lease an aircraft. Okay? Right. So if you lease an aircraft, you assume, let's say, a market lease rental of about, you know, three fifty four hundred thousand 400,000 dollars. Right. Uh, so on a yearly basis, you're talking close to about, you know, 4.8 million. Right. So even if you're paying four point eight million on an aircraft and you fly that aircraft throughout its let's say life cycle. Mm-hmm. So you will end let's say and let's assume the life cycle to be twenty years. Okay. Correct. Right. So the net cost that you've spent in terms of the lease rentals is going to be twenty into four, let's say about eighty million dollars. Okay. Right. And you factor in the escalation, uh let's say it sits at about ninety million dollars. Okay. Over a twenty. But what's the thing that is missing in this is that you spend an additional 70 million mm-hmm. over the 20 years just to maintain that aircraft. Aircraft, correct. So the maintenance cost that you have on these kinds of aircraft, mm-hmm. if you take the maintenance 70 million and divide it by let's say the 100 million cost of ownership,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, that's 70% mm-hmm. of your ownership. As as, a, as compared to your ownership cost, ownership That's cost how right. Big the the maintenance, maintenance cost is yeah. And what what has happened is India has been very focused on building the airframe capability. Airframe is where you only send the aircraft in to do uh, checks on the aircraft structure, right? Cool. So. You're basically checking whether the aircraft, whether the vehicle, whether the car is fine. You do, you know, typical checks that you would do inside a car when you send it to the workshop. Right. But you don't get into the heart of the aircraft. And mm-hmm. the challenge is that these airframe checks mm-hmm. only contribute about 15% of that 70 billion. Right. And in India, the whether we call it investments in MRO, policy par- paralysis, uh, the challenge has been that we never had a unified view on how to build the MRO industry. Unlike what you have in Singapore, what you have in Turkey, what you have in Malaysia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these guys, they built their first aviation policy in 1970. Correct. Okay? And, it, and what you see as Singapore as today as the largest MRO hub uh, in Asia Pacific, mm-hmm. that's born out of a policy that was made in 1970. But mm-hmm. was constantly revised to tune up to what were they trying to aim to get to? Right. In India, the challenge with MRO industry has been that number one, the policies uh, have been uh, missing the objective. So there are a lot of policies being made, but those policies and what you are trying to achieve are is like is like. Uh, you know, giving, giving, giving a driving license to a kid and expecting that, you know, there's not going to be an accident. They're right. Absolutely. They, they're not aligned to each other. Right. Uh, and that's been a very big challenge in MRO. We are seeing uh, the other challenge that we find with the MRO industry is uh, the, the we, a MRO industry works in a collaborative manner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, just because we are a country with multiple airports does not mean that we can start building MROs at every airport and by different competitors. Mm -hmm. MRO requires scale because it's a high capital, as you rightly said, it's a high capital intensive business. Mm -hmm. And any high capital intensive business requires a scale of economies to start making money. Absolutely. Right. And that has been a challenge in India. Everyone Mm -hmm. has started their own MRO and everyone wants to grow. Right. Right. Uh you go to Singapore, how many MROs do you have? There? You go to Indonesia, Philippines, see how many MROs are there. You go to Vietnam, how many MROs are there? You go to uh, someone like uh, uh, you know Germany and see how many big MROs are there. Yeah,
0: there's
1: so there's there's a there are a handful of handful, them, but correct. they have the scale. They they do everything. It's exactly. one stop shop, right? Exactly. And and what the MROs don't understand in India is scale is not only required for economies of scale, but the scale also plays a very important part in your negotiation with OEMs.
0: Right, the right,
1: right. MRO business, the value is in high, high value uh, items. Right. We don't have strong component capability in India. Right. And the reason why we don't have that is because every MRO wants to repeat and reinvest in the same company. Right. And from an OEM perspective, uh, an OEM does not want to create too many business players with the same capability right. because it undermines his whole business model. Model, correct. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at investment today in in at least in the near future in MRO, I think uh, there are only two ways these investments can go. Number one is either you invest in a specialized MRO. Don't go for the big ones try to make an airframe MRO, I think we are, we are going to have an overcapacity in the next, uh, you know, 18 to 20 months. We will end up having an overcapacity of line maintenance, or oh, sorry, airframe MRO. Main- maintenance, training. right, yeah. Right, uh, but there are a lot of other capabilities that can still be done.
0: Right.
1: You look at Air India, which has one of the best capabilities, mm-hmm. but they've never been leveraged. No mm-hmm. one has learned from it and gone out and built a private one. Right. But you need to build Really, yeah. Right, so I think uh, that is where the MRO there is huge opportunity, but the mm-hmm. opportunity uh, has uh, a value that the Indian businesses need to start understanding, Understand. and that's not just an issue with with uh, with MROs; it's also the basic underlying issue with the Indian mentality of doing aviation business, business right? where the egos are bigger than uh the business fundamentals. Fundamental. Uh, right. You we need to start understanding that consolidation is key mm-hmm. for providing returns to investors. Mm-hmm. And if investors don't see the returns, if the investors lose hope, right. you will not find future investments. We are uh, we don't look at the business from an investor return perspective. We look at it from our own individual perspective. perspective which needs to change. Right.
0: That that needs to change correct. And um that's very rightly said and um, just on on what you said i want to ask you another question related to the oems now oems for whoever's listening uh, the it stands for original equipment manufacturer the basic understanding of what an oem is cessna is the oem of a cessna 172 aircraft or boeing is the oem of a boeing triple seven correct me if i'm wrong but um, uh, that that's what an OEM is. Now, what I want to know is, do you think uh, tying tying up with OEMs uh, by these M- by the Indian MROs eventually can also open a good global market for India? Because as of now, India does not stand a very big uh, doesn't doesn't have a very big name in terms of uh, a global uh, MRO standing or um, in the world, India currently is not as strong when it comes to MROs. Do you think tying up with OEMs can open that up for us?
1: Meer, you, you're touching a very sensitive subject. <laughs> uh,
0: now, I'll ask you a question,
1: Meer. Okay, let's, let's say you are the OEM of a you know an engine manufacturer, mm-hmm, so a really right. big one. Right. And last year, you invested, uh, let's say, $400 million in Singapore. Correct. to expand the capability of Singapore facility mm-hmm. and the business plan on which you made that $400 million investment, mm-hmm. uh, in that business plan, uh, let's say 10, 15% or 20% of your India. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Would you invest another $400
0: million in India? Oh, yeah. So basically what is happening, what I understand is, the investments are already placed in these certain uh, countries and they are indirectly getting some kind of returns from India. So then it makes no sense uh, to the OEM to again put the same amount of investment and make the same or maybe more to build from scratch uh, in India and you know get the same product uh, up and running. Uh, am I correct? Absolutely. I mean, that... The other countries realize
1: that very early yeah. that an aircraft OEM is not like a General Motors OEM. If you mm-hmm. look at what happened in the automobile industry, don't even look you know too far. In mm-hmm. the automo- automotive industry, all your major automobiles which came in, the Maruti Suzuki's, they all came in with joint ventures where it was very difficult for those foreign manufacturers to access the Indian market. So the issue was the difficulty to access the Indian market. And the only solution to that was creating environment which would help them form joint ventures and enter the Indian market. That investment, which happened, let's say, in 1960s in India, Mm -hmm. 1980s in India, 60s to 80s, Mm-hmm. That is the basis of why you see uh, uh, a Mercedes being manufactured in India today, or a Jaguar being probably manufactured in India. In India it right. has taken 30 years for the automotive industry to move that kind of scale of operations or uh, manufacturing into India. Right. right. But that's because the production and, and the consumption is very close to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. There is a significant amount of challenge you can create uh, between production. And consumption by importing duties. Hmm. In right. aviation, you removed all the hurdles for foreign players to enter the Indian market. Because right. I sell the OEM sells an aircraft into India, mm-hmm. right? And the only guy who has the manufacturing capability is sitting in in let's say, or or the maintenance capability is sitting in France or Germany. Mm-hmm. You have no other option but to send it to him, right? Because you never developed uh technologies you never had the foresight uh to uh, create strategies where you could bring them into india and mm. the other countries just lapped up these opportunities opportunities so right. so now if you expect uh you know these large oems and, and the important part here is is that even the oems learned their lessons from what happened in the u.s and the europe Right. And that is why you will see a huge difference between MROs in US and Europe versus Asia. Right. US and Europe, you will see that there are a lot of players who have independent capabilities. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Where they can perform certain work which an OEM would typically do. Okay? do right. We talk, talk about Redome, talk about engine overhaul, XYZ. Right. Right? right? What the OEMs also realized was that In the Europe and the U.S. market, they realize that the value of aftermarket is much bigger than the product itself. Product itself, right. And in aviation, the ratio is 3x. Mm -hmm. So the cost of materials sold and the cost of maintenance in aviation typically is a 3x ratio. Right. Okay. So if you sell a $100 item, you will try to recover an aftermarket of about $300. Mm Mm-hmm. But right. they had lost that game in the US and the Europe because they, they they learned this business very late. They understood the value of this business very late. Okay. Right. The only guy who controlled the business even during those times was Rolls Royce. Right. All right. Uh, but the fact that they learned this business, now they started creating the same challenges for Asia Pacific. Right. So in Asia Pacific, you will not find too many independent guys. You. Mm-hmm. OEM JV's OEM mm-hmm. went and invested heavily in, uh, con- in in companies which had independent capabilities. They bought out their stake or they bought them completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as as well as that, uh, what they they stopped providing licenses. So right. because of all of this issue, they created an artificial mechanism of controlling the market. Market, right? Where you know, as an airline, you don't have much of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And And that has been a challenge even with, with, uh, you know, uh, Indian aviation. We don't have a single vendor development program in India, right? right? Right. If you look at Singapore, if you look at Malaysia, there there have been vendor, aerospace vendor development programs in place for the last 20 to 30 years. Right. Where the airlines are involved with the Ministry of Civil Aviation of these countries in not only placing orders for aircraft, but also uh, doing a vendor development right right so while in india we talk about the 15% 20% growth in civil aviation over the last 10 years let's be honest about it i mean it's only made money for some of the shareholders of the of of these companies Company, but it right. has not really driven it has not increased the value of mm-hmm. aerospace or aviation value chain in india
0: right right correct that's that's true and uh, i hope it uh, it changes in the coming future and with more investors coming in and now slowly um there are some indian airlines there's some some kind of maintenance that is being carried out in india uh, but uh, it's definitely going to take a longer toll than um than if if those companies uh, those countries sorry took 30 years to be where they are right now we will definitely take some time from now from here um, moving on to some something which is a little different, which is a little away from the MRO and OEM um, talk, is uh, I actually wanted, because this is a topic which I am very, very interested in, uh, which is uh, Indigo's business strategy. Uh, now, you spoke about Ryanair, we spoke about um, so Southwest in America, and the whole business strategy of keeping one type of aircraft and training everyone for that type of aircraft. Can you tell, give us a little insight on how this kind of business strategy is, how it works, and how it's definitely beneficial to keep the constant graph of the airline. Sure. So
1: it's very interesting you say that, Meer, because uh, I see uh, it, 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 one of the one of the one of the things that does happen in business strategy is that they need to con- continuously evolve. And right. that is the most important part. Mm-hmm. There was a time when, yes, the objective of scale of economies of having a single type of an aircraft mm-hmm. uh, had a tremendous amount of uh, value to it. right? right. So your, in terms of your fixed costs, training costs, your negotiation on parts, all of this was much easier because you just had a single type of fleet. Correct. Right. So you know you had the flexibility of rostering pilots. You had the flexibility of having your crew trained. So it, it, it's it's like you know whatever it's it's like a it's like a a, a shop uh, that you have manufactured of tables which are mm-hmm. of different colors but the same size same dimension. Seven, right? Yeah. Right. So your cost of production is is extremely low. Right. right? But one thing that Indigo picked up quickly was that they diversified their fleet into ATR. Mm, right. This is where the involvement of the strategy came into play. See, one thing that COVID has taught to the aviation industry today is one size fits all does not work.
0: Does not work. Okay.
1: Right. If you if you make an airline with a single fleet of 180 seater aircraft, I built an airline, single single fleet, 180 aircraft. Third person builds an airline, single fleet of 180 aircraft. Everyone is going to die, die right? Right, because there is just an overcapacity. Right. So now the shift that you are that you are going to see, and we are already seeing it from from matured airlines, mm-hmm. is that they are now trying to identify what kind of diversified fleet that they need to have, in what ratio, while maintaining their costs. Correct. Okay? Uh, because diversification of fleet provides diversification of risk. Mm -hmm. no one thought you know every i i still know a couple of people who said you know why spice getting into freighters i know a lot of analysts said oh they you know they are going away from the lcc model they're diversifying this and that right but that freighter cargo capacity is what helped them during the covid covid that kept them going basically all of a sudden absolutely right yeah You had the Q400s of of, uh, SpiceJet. You had the ATRs of of, uh, Indigo. During COVID, when these markets started coming back up, Mm -hmm. we have seen ATRs being deployed on a Delhi-Kolkata sector. Sector, right. Okay. Something like a Delhi-Bangalore sector, a Q400 being operated. Operated, right. Because now you had the right asset, which, so the objective from profitability during best times Now, move towards uh, the lowest cash loss. Right. Okay. And that is where the fleet diversification became extremely important. Correct. Uh, And in my view, as we go forward, we will see airlines diversifying their fleet Mm. primarily to de risk the company.
0: Correct. uh, From such kind of scenarios in the future. Absolutely. So Indigo's, I think Indigo's bigger success was not just to have a good business strategy in the beginning, but to also change that kind of strategy and implement uh, newer things and uh, diversify their risk uh, as the market progressed. They didn't keep a, a common strategy for the whole period of their functioning or even till now. I'm sure their bigger win is to know when to diversify, when to move on, when to change their plan uh am i correct that's absolutely right. yes yeah yes. right yes. so now now that we are talking about atrs this is it's kind of a good segue into something which i really wanted to discuss with you is uh, regional connectivity in india and um how these uh, now we have so many airlines coming up like Flybig, star air and which are uh, which are providing service to these feeder Airports Now, um, Ministry of Civil Aviation is also giving uh, some kind of boost to all these feeder airports. But what's your take on the smaller regional airlines coming up for India? Because personally, I feel that's going to be the next, you know, big thing in the next five years.
1: Yeah. No, Mir, you're right. Regional connectivity is going to be the single largest driver
0: of of uh, the
1: next 10 to 15 years of growth in aviation. Absolutely, I in in my view, uh, there is a risk that has been created.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: while we do have a regional connectivity Udan scheme in place, which was done with the objective of promoting regional connectivity, mm-hmm. uh, the challenge that RCS has had is in the measurement of success. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's important. You know, how do you measure success? Right. It, while the regional connectivity was drawn in on in on the lines of how you have such kind of programs in US and Europe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the measurement is where it went wrong. Right. The mm-hmm. measurement of regional connectivity was is being done on the basis of number of traffic and passengers flying, and this right. is where the there is a fundamental problem, where the measure is done on people flying, not on the number of new regional carriers that were able to develop and new businesses or new industry take off right right we have seen air Costa are shut down we've mm-hmm. seen uh, air Odisha are shut down mm-hmm. we have seen numerous failures in in uh regional connectivity. Region connectivity right. and if you and if you look at it even the airlines today in regional connectivity their single largest threat is that the minute they are able to develop a route mm-hmm. you will have uh, an indigo or GoAir or spice to deploy a larger aircraft and and just compete and kill the market right right uh, this is where again as i said you have a lot of policies and plans that we make but by the time they are being made they 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 change from their original intended direction of west to east correct right uh, regional connectivity in us in europe number one has to be measured by the number of new airlines and mm-hmm. the number of new carriers that have been allowed to grow up, mm-hmm. okay? We're we're talking about fly big airlines. I can tell you, India has an opportunity for two hundred aircraft, right. uh, which is which is even a single engine aircraft, right. right? Four to five seater. We can consume that in India, right? Right, right. But absolutely. the but the problem is that uh, it is that is not what has been used as a measure of success, mm-hmm. right? Uh the, the 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 way the economics works and it is already there in our banking system I mean that that's that's the interesting part here. Mm-hmm. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, okay right, right. in our banking system, a very similar structure exists where there are smaller banks like you have the bigger banks, right? you've got the city banks and the big international banks which are mm-hmm. there, right? right? They have to, they are the guys who are competing, let's say, in the loan section, right? They give out loans, right. right? There is a regulation in the banking which says that at the end of the year, if you have given, let's say, an X $1 million of loan, then 10% of that should be towards MSME, let's say 5% towards, you know, agriculture. So there are these areas which are strategic areas, right? Right. Now, what happens in the banking? In banking, a city bank will not go to a farmer to give a loan. Okay, this job is done by the smaller regional banks. Mm -hmm. Okay, some cooperative housing society bank or ABC, other smaller banks. Right. They would they would invest the money. So they would take the risk on these smaller loans. Mm -hmm. They would create the portfolio. And then this portfolio at the end of the year is sold to the bigger bank. Correct. Okay, so it allows the ability of creating smaller banks. And it also allows the uh, the bigger banks to function that the way they want to right a similar structure had to be a, a very had to be at the center of the regional connectivity mm-hmm. don't make a scenario where a bigger guy has to compete with a smaller guy correct okay make a scenario where everything that the smaller guy does or the regional connectivity does he can make money by selling it to the bigger guy bigger guy right right so that right. you are able to ensure that uh, you know a, 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 the the overall industry grows Right, right, right. Today, our whole industry is so. Just look at it, right? Today, our whole industry is dependent on what? Our whole Indian aviation growth story. Imagine we are. Imagine we've got six hundred aircraft in India today. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are a huge population, and what does our aviation growth story talk about? One player, Indigo. Yeah. Imagine that's the condition of. So it's something. It's it's not something. It's very good. I mean, I'm, I'm we are very happy with, with the way Indigo has done. But as a country, should we be proud of it? No. It just highlights that we are we our policies are so flawed that in such a big country, there is only one there is only one airline which is a success story. Yeah, right. That means there's something fundamentally flawed in what we are doing. Right,
0: right, right. And um, there's something which I have observed now because I was in in. Uh, the United States. I observed something with very interesting when it comes to um, regional airlines. I saw a lot of the regional feeder airlines, like say Horizon Air, or um, and there are right. many many of these you know smaller commute uh, uh, airlines which eventually get bought over by the big fishes, and technically at the end of it, everyone is growing, right. Yeah. Um, which which I feel if that model is applied to the Indian uh, Indian system and Indian uh, airline industry, r- instead of uh, the bigger fishes uh, deploying a three twenty or a, you know they one of their aircrafts on the route to eat up the other airlines with the smaller airlines which are trying to come up, uh, I feel that's a better. Then as you said, everyone grows in that way instead of you know one fish being the biggest fish and then everyone's. Just trying to be somewhere uh, under him so
1: yeah that's, See, I, right? I, the, yeah you're right now here's a very interesting point okay there right. there, there are two more people to blame for this okay, okay? go on. in India number yeah. one are the consultants yeah. okay because we we paint everything with the same picture right. okay Okay. Right. number two is as you rightly said right now I'll, I'll take an example from what you said these smaller aircraft which today let's say you're talking about horizon air these airlines which generally had the crjs uh, mm-hmm. till some point of time but if you go back the history a little bit before the crjs they, they had those propeller aircraft right right those runways w- provided the biggest competitive advantage okay mm-hmm. look at the cost of regional connectivity let's let's be realistic about it okay right in the name of regional connectivity we have upgraded majority of airports across India to Mm -hmm. handle under the name of regional connectivity to handle up to A320. Right. right. In US, there are a lot of airstrips which Mm -hmm. have not been developed till today, which can handle a 320. Right. In that scenario, there is a competitive advantage that a regional operator has where he can deploy a smaller aircraft because he Mm -hmm. knows the bigger aircraft cannot come. Right, in India, under the name of regional connectivity, if you just look at the economics per airport, we we compl- we have almost we, I keep reading it everywhere. I think we have done about sixty or seventy airports' upgradation. Right, right. right. Per, per airport, it would take about fifty to sixty crores for the upgradation to handle a three twenty, and then you expect regional connectivity with an ATR. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, what logic? Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. you invest fifty crores into an upgradation of a facility, right? right uh then you have a regional connectivity aircraft landing into this airport mm-hmm. okay you have you have given free the landing charges the parking charges are waived off and you've got tons of benefits into it right the maximum number of air the maximum number of flights some of these airports see are, are 2 to 3 mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. even if an airport earns 10000 rupees 20000 rupees per flight mm-hmm. how much time do you think it is going to take for him to recover the 50 crores Right. That's so it. It, it it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But yeah, yeah, that that is where the challenge is. There is a huge market in India, but you you are slowly slowly killing all the possibilities of your own business model that you created that you wanted
0: to survive. Right. So that's it's like the solution and the problem are kind of you know inter aligning with itself and yeah. uh, we where we try to tell people this is the problem that's where the uh, solution also lies and vice versa okay. so so there's not much uh, let's let's hope uh, it's for the better future i guess uh, at least for now uh, some of the airlines are supposedly doing well when it comes to regional connectivity and um, because I, personally, I feel um, there are the, the feeder airports itself are becoming more important. So um, let's see, let's see how how the industry moves from here. No,
1: you're ab- absolutely right, Big. I mean, Trujet has done a fantastic turnaround. You have to right. give it to them. Truejet right, right. has done a fantastic job. In a way, COVID has helped these airlines become stable faster. COVID is the opportunity when these smaller airlines really need to bring up scale. So right. that they can at least hold, mm-hmm. if not lose position when the bigger, when the big guns come in. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, jet did the absolute right strategy. They went on an immediate expansion. They got a couple of aircraft. flybig came in. Mm-hmm. I think I think these the, 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 best utilize, the best utilization of the COVID scenario for the smaller airlines, because they're not bleeding too much money, is right. that is that get more aircraft make sure that the aircrafts are available when the covid comes out so that you have
0: enough capacity mm-hmm. to fortify wherever you are operating from operating from yeah yeah you you can so what i i mean metaphorically if you see they have built the uh, underlying uh, structure that requires to be uh, built uh, that requires to be built for a solid airline and it that it's just they are waiting for an opportunity to use these routes that they already have when the numbers go up so Correct. if if they can make uh if they can make that business run in the current situation i'm sure when the numbers go up uh it's just going to it's going to multiply exponentially
1: exactly. so uh,
0: let's let's hope for the best um yeah. one just just one last thing as for uh, some current affairs now goair has rebranded itself as gofirst and they are also launching their ipo uh, what's your take on that? What What do you think about their IPO uh, as an investor? Do you think it's a good investment? Um, can you share some of your thoughts on it? Sure. I
1: think in in my view, I think Goer is a, is an airline which survived against the odds. Right. Uh, and uh, their primary reason of survival was when things went bad, they were relatively smaller in size which enabled them to control their cash flows mm-hmm. uh i i think for i i i you know this whole go first i think that's a good exercise to do as a as a rebranding and trying to and and uh, you know uh, the ceo i think ben he's trying to position the company as a as a ulcc right right now uh, which is good i mean it's it's a good as a marketing campaign for mm-hmm. investors i i think there is and that is the reason I said at the start, right, you know, that investors know that this is the right time to invest because the market can only go up from here. It can't go mm-hmm. down. Right, right? absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're already at that, at that scenario. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, Goer as a, as a company has survived the odds and does have the backing that is available that if it is required, it can get that capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the challenge for Goer is going to be, uh, you know, dethroning Spice. Because with Spice and Air Asia India uh, growing their fleet, right? Mm -hmm. They do have the, and it is just a matter of time before the 737 Max gets the certification, right? Right. With Spice yet just balancing its cash flow out during this period, Air Asia India going in for expansion, Vistara expanding. The Mm -hmm. challenge for GoAir is going to be, uh, you know, how are they going to differentiate themselves? at a pricing level and at a customer level. Uh, right. I think the the opportunity today is, you know, do you, either you look at a differentiation from a fleet perspective, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you ask my opinion, I think uh, Airbus 220 or the Embraer E95, E2s, 1, seventy five e E2s, mm-hmm. they are the right kind of aircraft which can at least uh, fight it out with the Airbus 320s in an mm-hmm. LCC model, mm-hmm. because on the ULCC side, the challenge that the airline is going to have is that the regulatory environment, which can allow you to do a lot more in ULCC, mm-hmm. right? Maybe charge for water, maybe you know, you know, charge so many things, break break it down, break down your fares into multiple areas, and charge for every item.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it our regulators are still not, uh, I would say strong enough or have not opened up enough mm-hmm. which can allow the ulcc to work and yeah, right. that again that you know the challenge for a, a the the only issue that the investors might have mm-hmm. with investing in an airline like go air in india is going to be the fact that there is a, there is a lack of consistency in policies in indian government especially in civil aviation sector. Right. There, is, there are just too many flip-flops that keep taking place. Today, this is the rule. Tomorrow, that is the rule. Today, this is the fair change. Tomorrow, that is the fair change. That kind of an uh, you know, environment is not good for investors to invest money in. Right. They are already taking a, a risk on, on the investment in your airline, in the aviation industry. Mm-hmm. But over and that, you have to realize that you know, if the same investor is looking at money, there are many airlines right now which can do much better with this capital right look at the turnaround of uh norwegian versus what happened with jadevis norwegian right. is out of out of trouble it's already given the information that you know they have they are they are back they've got the funding they are going to be back in the air and look at jadevis we're still sitting on it we don't even know whether the slots are going to be given to them or not right so
0: i think that's where the challenge is absolutely that uh that that completely makes uh sense and um as we know the aviation sector is not an easy sector to um, or easy you know uh, field uh, or department to run a business in it's one of the most crucial um, uh, sectors and because it's a high investment and longer break even time uh, sector it's even more difficult for uh, investors to trust enough uh, in in it to, uh, for for them to put a sizable amount Of investment. But uh, I think that that covers most of what I wanted to discuss with you. I absolutely had got to know about so many things which um, from a financial point of view, I didn't know. The main reason I wanted to do this podcast and wanted to start this podcast is to talk to people from all the verticals of aviation to know there are so many different sides to this field and so many different uh, aspects to it. I just wanted to put it out for uh, people's uh, knowledge and people's know-how, but it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, Rohit, to have you here and to talk to you. Um, if you have any last, uh, you know, things to say or uh, something which you want to share with whoever listens to this, you can go for it.
1: Thanks, thanks so much, Veer. It was it was wonderful to be on this call, uh, it's a, it's a, aviation is a sector which gets very close to your heart once you are in a part of it. Right. And, uh, yeah, but I, I, any, anyone who's, who's hearing this, I just want to say that, you know, uh, it is still just by numbers, just by numbers, mm-hmm. uh, it is still an industry which has the capability of providing uh, uh, the strong reinforcement in any economy. Right. It's an industry which can have a multiplier effect which is much bigger both in terms of technology in per capita income,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in terms of employment. Uh, it can open and it can take a country uh, from a, you know a much lower level of technology mm-hmm. to a higher level of technology. Absolutely. Uh, and we have done that. We have done that in space. We have done that uh, in, in a lot of areas as, as a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the fact that you know, our aviation industry could not rise up to the challenge. Uh, I think it's all with a lot of these people who are you are probably listening. Some of them would be key decision makers. Some of them would be people in airlines who are playing a role. I think every person in aviation in India, if decides and starts thinking about how he's going to add
0: back to the aviation industry, Absolutely. I think we
1: will be able to make a change. So Absolutely. 100%.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Rohit. Uh, It's been a pleasure once again. And thanks for giving us your time. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.